Hello and welcome to the Adventure Podcast. This podcast is about helping listeners learn from and meditate on our sermons from anywhere at any time. Thanks for joining and let's get started. So grab your listening guide. I need to I need to point out a couple things in your listening guide as we get started. You know how you have you have weeks where you have more week than you have days, and then you have days where you have like more week than you have a day, and I've had a couple of those. So there's a couple errors in your listening guide that I want you to see real quick. So this is my confession. The title that's in the listening guide is next week's title. I have no idea how that happened. And then you'll notice in the points there, there's two D's. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. Other than don't proofread your own material, right? So go ahead and put up the, uh, the stuff for today there, Dave. There's the actual title for today, how to pray throughout the day. So next Sunday after we're done here at church, Travis is going to drive me to St. Louis. And on Monday morning at sunrise, I'm going to get started and I'm going to float the rest of the Mississippi all the way to the salt water. And, uh, I got to tell you, I'm really excited about getting this over with. Um, But we made a decision. We've been talking to some of the tow captains, and they're like, worst time of year to be going down the tail end of the Mississippi because of storm season and because of all the boats that are coming in ahead of storm season. And so the original Mississippi, pre-industrial Mississippi, actually cuts over a little bit to the right below Natchez, and then goes down through the Atchafalaya Basin, just known as the Atch for short. So that's the route we're going to take when we get down there. So we're going to avoid, I just don't feel like dodging giant technological monsters that want to bury me. So (laughs) the boats down there, the towboats are so big that you can set a towboat that you see up here on the deck. Yeah, and up here, we'll see them, and they've got 15 on them, and we think that's massive. Down there, they have 50-plus on the average float group coming up. Not interested. Um, So we're going to go down through the Atchafalaya Swamp. So people who've already done it are sending me pictures of alligators, water moccasins, (laughs) spiders that eat birds. Um... All that kind of stuff. So if you are really interested in seeing me cry in about two and a half weeks, that'll be the time to track me uh, on Facebook. But you can, you can follow us on Expedition S2S on Facebook and also on Instagram and see what we're doing. All right, let's get into our notes here today. So the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he gives a command. He says, pray without what? Without ceasing. So he says, pray and don't stop praying. Now, how is it possible to pray throughout the day? How do you do this pray without ceasing thing? Well, luckily for us, he elaborates. He draws it out just a little bit further in his letter uh, to the Ephesians. Let's jump down here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. This is after the introduction there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Pray in the spirit when? At all times. With what kinds of prayers? All kinds of prayers. Asking for what? Notice how total this is. (laughs) 
Everything is in superlatives here. To do this, you must always be ready. Never give up. Always pray for all of God's people. So let's ask some questions about this. So the first thing he says there is he says, pray in the spirit. What does it mean to pray in the spirit? Can I just tell you something? It's not mystical. It's not mystical. It just means you let God lead you. If God puts a face in your mind, pray for that person. If God puts a project in your mind, pray for that project. God's put Whatever God puts in your mind, God can give you impressions. Whatever he puts in there, pray for that. Pray for those people. Pray for whatever it is. Here's the next one, B. Be ready to pray when? At all times. So I'm in several uh, Facebook groups of different kinds. And uh, a few days ago, one of the members of uh, that Facebook group was suddenly on my mind. Now, what's weird is I've never interacted with a guy. I've seen his name. I've seen him post before. Never interacted with him before. Never even, never had him reply to anything I posted. I've never replied to anything he's posted. None of that stuff. No interaction other than occasionally seeing him. And just this, a couple of weeks ago, I wake up in the middle of the night. It's like, about 2.30 in the morning, and I wake up, and this guy is on my mind. I've never interacted with him. I don't know him. And I woke up, and his name's on my mind. Okay, so I thought, oh, that's weird. So I tried to go back to sleep. Couldn't go back to sleep. This guy's on my mind again. So I thought, okay, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going back to sleep. I woke up again. Like, we're talking like, two and a half minutes of sleep each time, you know, just enough to not quite make REM sleep. And then I thought, you know what, this is starting to make me mad, so I'm just going to pray for him. (laughs) So I prayed for him. I did. I prayed for him. And I kept praying for him until about seven o'clock in the morning. I don't know why. And so when I got up, I went in, sat down on my computer at about seven, and I posted, I said, hey, dude, don't know what's going on in your life. Just want to let you know the Lord put you on my, on my mind. I don't even know if the guy's a believer or not, so it's kind of weird if a pastor contacts a non-believer. But I thought, here we go. So I just told him, hey, you know, I'm a pastor. I don't know why you're on my mind. I just want you to know I prayed for you last night, off and on from about 2.30 to about 7 this morning. A few minutes later, I hear my messenger ding. And I look, and it's this guy replying to my, my note I sent to him. And he said, yesterday, my wife and I were mountain biking, and we had an accident. My wife is in ICU in a coma. And he said, I was with her last night at about 2.30 in the morning. He said, my faith broke, my hope broke, and I accused God of abandoning my family and not listening. And he just told me, he said, thank you, brother. See, at 2.30 in the morning, I didn't know why I was supposed to pray for a guy that I only knew his name. But God knew why. You be ready to pray at all times. All right? Here's the next one, C. Pray more than one kind of prayer. Man, there are a lot of different kinds of prayers. Now, a lot of people, when you say, well, you should pray, a lot of people, because of their background, they say, oh, let's do the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is, it's, it's I mean, I'm not going to criticize the boss's prayer. <laughs> All right, if Jesus says do it this way, this is the way we do it. But Jesus meant that to be the beginner prayer, not the only prayer. 
That's the starting prayer. That's the learning prayer. That's, you know, see Jane run prayer. (laughs) That's what that is. That's just to get you started as you grow up. But there are a lot of different kinds of prayers you can pray based on your emotions. The book of Psalms is 150 chapters of prayers. And in those chapters are every kind of prayer you can imagine. There are complaining and whining prayers that make you look like you've really got it together. There are angry prayers. By angry prayers, I mean David saying, God, I'm going to smash their brains out with a rock. Ever pray that one? (laughs) It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. There's crying out prayers. There's comforting prayers. There's clarifying prayers. There's courageous prayers. There's confessing prayers. There's prayers that celebrate happiness. And for 3,000 years, God's people have gone to the book of Psalms opened it up, found a psalm that reflects what they're feeling and have said to God, God, make this my prayer, and they read God that prayer. And it expresses their emotions. Usually it opens the door for them to even go further in. All right, here's the next one, D. Pray for whatever you need. Tell God what you need. Tell God what you need. You know what's going to happen? He may speak to you about what you need. And he may say to you, really? Really? (laughs) But he still wants to hear from you. All right. Next one, E. Sorry about that. Scratch out the D and write in an E or I'm not going to be able to continue because I'm obsessive compulsive perfectionist. Always be ready to pray. So when he says always be ready to pray, it means more than just be ready to just whatever it is, stop and go, okay, God, help. It means get a plan. Have a plan. Know how you're going to talk to him. Know what you're going to talk to him about. I mean, how do you plan your prayers? I write out a list every day. I write out a list of my prayers. And we're going to get into this a little bit more here in a minute. They're spontaneous prayers. You need to have those all the time. They're what you need to do in the moment. But if you're going to grow, if you're going to mature spiritually, you need to have a plan. All right, the last thing then, F. Always pray for all of God's people. Can I tell you, you can't do that if you pray two minutes a day and you're done. That's not time to pray. It's not even time to pray for yourself, let alone pray for other people. All right, so how do I pray throughout my day. So to pray all day long is going to require some planning on your part. And, uh, you know, there's a couple different ways that you can pray during the day. I'm going to, we'll give you the first one real quick. We're going to spend most of our time on this second one. All right, we're going to focus on the second one. So here you go. Number one, I can keep a running conversation with God. You talk to him. You start it, start it in the morning and you don't end it. You never say, in Jesus' name I pray, you know, which is the American Christian way of going over and out, all right? That's not what we're doing. Are right, you going to keep that conversation going. Any of you have text message chains with family members? I have four little brothers, and I have two 82-year-old parents who are rocking the world of tech. Yeah. And so we have, we have a family, actually I have a couple, three of them, well some include the grandkids, but we have a couple of these family texting chain things going on. And the one thing that none of us took into consideration 
is that one of us lives in California. Two hours behind everybody else. So I'm like always, once we get to 9 o'clock at night, I'm always praying, please, nobody else post anything. Nobody else text anything because Matt will reply after 11 o'clock our time. And that will wake me up. And I want to hear from him, but during business hours. <laughs> so what you do with this, you know how you can do that, and you just text when you think about it, and you have these ongoing messages that sometimes they slow down for a while, sometimes they slow down for a couple days, and then suddenly they pick right back up where they were. That's that conversation with God. You, if something comes up, you talk to God about it in the moment, then maybe a minute or two goes by, and you're talking to him about something else. Or maybe a couple hours go by and you're still talking to him. But off and on, in those little increments, every few seconds, you see, prayer is like breathing. You don't really think about it, you just do it. And that's how your spontaneous, ongoing conversation should be. All right, now, you can all do that one, right? We can all do that one. Now, number two, here's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. I can schedule prayer times throughout my day. You can schedule prayer times. There's all kinds of apps, uh, prayer apps, that will let you set times to pray. And it will ding, and you'll know what to pray for. I mean, there's that. Some of you just have a regimented schedule that will give you that opportunity. Now, what I'm going to teach you is not a formula. It's just a, it's something to give you a picture of what you can do. This is not a new idea. From the beginning of time, people have had scheduled prayer times. Watch this from Psalm 55. King David, morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress. All right, so how many times a day minimum? Three. There's at least three right there, right? A little bit later in Psalm 119, he says, I will praise you how many times a day? Seven times a day. He's got some kind of a plan going there. The Bible tells us that the prophet Daniel had a prayer time, Daniel 6. Daniel prayed how many times a day? Three times, just as he had what? Always done. It was his habit. We know Jesus got away and prayed in the morning. We know Jesus got away and prayed at night. So we know he was praying at least twice a day away. So later on, as the Romans are expanding their empire... When the Romans would take over an area, one of the first things that was done was they built a bell tower. That's one of the things they look for to know something is a Roman ruin. They look for a bell tower. And in that bell tower, what they would do, they would put that big bell, and those bells would ring six or seven times a day. The first bell rang at 6.30 every morning. It was called the prime bell. It was called the morning bell, right? The first hour bell. It meant get to work. Markets open, don't oversleep. But it was part of how the Roman legions were synchronized because they knew on the first bell, different detachments had to be in different places doing different things. It would ring again three hours later. That was called the third hour. They would change, the soldiers would change shifts and the bells were like radio for them. That was how they broadcast out and everybody did their thing at exactly that time. It's how they were synchronized. You know, when you read the story of the crucifixion, it says they hung Jesus on the cross from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. What the, what the writers are doing there is they're giving you very specific Roman military terminology to show you just how exact this was. They, they weren't guessing what time it was. They were going by this regimented Roman bell thing. 
You say, well, I don't know how many times a day I could really pray. Well, let's just start off basically. How many times do you eat a day? Three times a day is going to be the minimum. Or you, gra- or you graze all day, right? Still, that gives you a bunch of times then. Some of you eat seven or ten times a day, right? So what do you do? There's your times right there to stop and thank the Lord. I mean, the idea is that you have a plan and you organize your prayers so you're praying somewhat purposefully, intentionally. You sit down with God, you sit down undistracted, and you formally talk to God about things you need to talk about. Now, I'm going to give you some uh, suggestions from my experience. This is not a formula. I don't follow this every day, but I do follow it most days. Some days I, I move things around a little bit. But let's just run through some of these things. You arrange yours how it works best for you because you know when you're interrupted and when you're not interrupted. All right. Here's the first one, A. When I wake up, I can start my day with gratitude. So when I wake up in the mornings, I'm usually up around four. When I wake up, I, one of two things will start my day. But first things I'll do when I start my day. I will recite the Shema, Hero of Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know this one, right? It's called the Shema. Or I'll get up and I'll pray the Lord's Prayer. See, the thing I do love about the Lord's Prayer The Lord's Prayer is the basics of prayer. There was a year when Vince Lombardi's team, whose name I can't even even say, Vince Lombardi's team had done very badly, and they were getting ready to start the new season, and he called all of his professional players into the locker room to begin the season with practice, and he held up a football to a bunch of men who were paid to chase that ball. Still lost on me. He held that ball up to them, and his words were, Gentlemen, this is a football. Sometimes getting back to the basics is the place to start. And the Lord's Prayer can get you back to the basics. Don't throw it out. Don't ever throw it out. But it's good to review the basics. And so when I get up in the morning and I start with gratitude, gratitude's the most basic attitude for God's people to have. We're grateful for what God has done. We're grateful for what we have. We're grateful for the new day. We're grateful for God's involvement in our day. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, the most physically painful part of my day is when I go to get out of bed. It physically hurts me a lot. And I, I joke, you know, the, when, when a lot of you were kids, there used to be this, been obviously debunked and not even used now, but there was this chart that would hang in science rooms around the country, and it was this, this little four, four-legged creature crawling out of the ocean, you know, and then working its way up to walking, you know, sort of on and off. And then next thing you know, at the end of it is this totally standing up you know, humanoid or man or something. That's me every morning going from bed to bathroom. I'll start off crawling and eventually, hopefully by the time I'm there, I can stand up straight. That's kind of where I'm at, right? I've told my kids when I stand up in the morning, it's like I am unfolding an origami body (laughs) that someone has wiped with paste. (laughs) You know, it doesn't want to come apart and it hurts. 
But the thing I remember is I'm grateful for that pain because it wasn't very long ago that I was told I wasn't going to be able to get up and walk. And I'm grateful for what that pain represents. I'm still mobile. See, psychologists have determined that the first eight minutes of your day determine the attitude of your day. What attitude are you going to choose? If you have an attitude of gratitude, you thank God for his goodness, and your day actually starts pretty decently, even if it's going to be a rough day, because you remember who's got the day. Look, Look at Psalm 59. This is King David, who was also the king of sliding hot messes. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning, I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. So, man, get up. Start your day with gratitude. That's a good position to be in. All right, B. I can bless God's name at breakfast, or what I call first coffee. (laughs) So as I'm thanking him at breakfast... As I'm thanking him at my coffee, I remind myself of God's goodness, and I thank him for what he does. What I do at that first cup of coffee is I sit down, and in my head, I review what God has done for me and for my family. I do. I just kind of run through it. Look at Psalm 145. I will praise you how often? Every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He's the most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Do you realize that the name of God is a really big deal? In Scripture, God uses, either through his own words or through the words of the prophets, God gives himself over 100 different names. Do you realize that? God has over 100 names. And each one of those names describes a character quality of God. All right, I'm going to look at three of them. We talked about this one last week. The first one is Abba. This is the one that says, I am your loving father. You are mine. I will do anything that you need. I am there. I am your papa. It's the most basic term a child can use. I realize you're dependent on me, and I am your support. Here's another name he uses, number two, Eldia. Eldia. Eldia means the God of knowledge the source of all knowledge. He says, I am the God who knows you and everything about you. Number three, Jehovah Rapha. means I am the God who heals you. There's over a hundred names like that where God is described by a quality. He is named by a quality. Now, listen, because I want you to get this. This is so important. All of the prayer in your life is based on just how well you know God. You say, I don't pray very much. You don't know God very much. I mean, I'm sorry. That's the reality. The more you know God, the more you know God, the less you're going to worry. The more you know God, the more you're going to relax. The more you know God, the more confident you're going to be. By the way, the more you know God, the more you are going to know you. I like that. So when you hear someone say, I just don't know who I am. I love it when someone goes, I just, you know, I don't know who I am. I've lost myself. And I'm like, there you are. (laughs) 
right there. You're right here. Don't have to look anymore. When you say or you hear someone who says, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You don't know what you're supposed to do because you don't know your God very well. That's the reality. That's the reality. The better you know your creator, the better you know your purpose. See, when we talk about the names of God, what that means is you understand God well enough to know how God is there and involved in your life. Now, by the way, great resource. I put a note in there. Praying Through the Names of God by a guy by the name of Tony Evans. Tony Evans and I will disagree a little bit theologically, but I'm going to tell you, this book is fantastic. This is a great book. It's a great resource. Watch this from Psalm 9. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. So when I review the names of God, it reminds me of the promises God has made. It reminds me of the faithfulness that God has shown me, and it reframes how I look at the whole rest of my day. All right, next thing, C. At mid-morning, or second coffee, (laughs) I can stop to remember what matters most. Now, for me, this is generally going to be around 10-ish, about 10 a.m. Usually by 10 a.m., I've got several hours in, and I've gotten so far into the weeds that I am now distracted. (laughs) I start seeing my, my stuff start to stack up on me, and I need that opportunity to stop and realign myself with God's will for my day. I gotta stop and I gotta refocus. I gotta remember what is important for my day. One of the most important lines from the Lord's Prayer. May your kingdom come. May your, what? Will be done where? On earth as it is. You know why it's done in heaven? Because God's there and he can make it be done. You know why it's not done on earth? Because you and I don't do it. If God's will is going to happen here, that's on you and me. And we look around and we say, God's will's not happening here. First place you start, go look in the mirror. But see, that's a way of saying, God, I want your agenda in my life, not my life. I want the things that you want for me, I want. See, God has a universal will. God has a universal purpose for the whole world. History is moving toward its climax. History is moving toward the point for which everything was created. History is his story. Uh, Too often I hear people say dumb things. A lot. Every day. And uh, usually they do it on social media. And I want to act like Disney princesses. They want to quote Disney-type movies. They want to get out and sing the circle of life. Do you realize there is no circle of life? Quit using that term. There is no circle of life. Life is not circular. Life is linear. There was a beginning to history. There will be an end to history. Jesus is coming back. He's going to judge everybody, not just people who believe him. People who don't believe in him... They don't get to go on and have a different alternative ending of their choosing. History is linear. 
And so what I do at mid-morning, I stop, I take a breath, and I say, okay, God, I got a, I got a lot of stuff I got to do, but really what I want more than anything else is to do what you want me to do. I want your plan in my life. I want your purpose for me. And God, I am praying for your will to be done through me just like it's done through the angels in heaven. I'm praying for your kingdom to come. I'm praying for what you want to be, what gets done here by your people. And I realign myself. I reorient myself. And I recommit myself to God's purpose for the day. All right, let's go to the next one, D. I can list my, family, my family's needs at lunch, or what I call third coffee. All right, so I can list my, and I list my needs. I list my family's needs. I pray for my wife. I pray for my kids. I pray for my grandkids. I pray for their health. I pray for their resources. Most of all, I pray for their spiritual needs. I pray for their spiritual needs. So watch this from Job. This is one of my favorite pieces of the whole story of Job. Job chapter 1. Job would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. He's talking about his kids. He's talking about his kids. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's what? regular practice. Job opened his day every day by praying for his kids. Job did it early in the morning. I have days where I do it early in the morning, more often than not, and then I definitely do it every day over lunch. Every day at that time, I ask the Lord to be with my kids who are now well involved, well engaged in their day, that God is drawing them closer to him. John chapter 14 you can ask for anything in my name. And by the way, we're going to get into that next weekend. We're going to get into that next weekend. We're going to talk, what does that mean, asking in God's name or asking in Jesus' name? He says, you can ask for anything in my name, and I'll do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Listen, I have found that when I ask Jesus for things at lunch, when I talk to him about needs at lunch, it reframes and the rest of my day goes better because I'm reminded who's in charge. All right, here's the next one, E. I can ask for forgiveness in the afternoon, or what I call first decaf. <laughs> so by three or so in the afternoon, I have dealt with so many people that I need to ask for forgiveness. Every once in a while, somebody will say, man, I can't believe you said that out loud. Don't ever get in my head then. <laughs> sometimes I'm shocked what happens in there. So I'll take a little break, usually, you know, 2.15-ish to 3, something like that in there for just a few minutes. And I just say to the Lord, you've watched me all day. You know my secret thoughts. Is there anything I need to be cleaning out? Anything I need to be getting rid of? Anything that maybe... I wasn't aware of in the moment that it happened, but you need to point it out so I don't do it again. What should I be asking for forgiveness for? Watch this from Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So I'm saying, God, is there anything in here today that I need to confess? There's a great promise that goes with this. 
Psalm 32, finally I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And I love it because the next two lines, he sounds surprised. (laughs) And you forgave me. (laughs) And my guilt is gone. (laughs) Like, I didn't see that coming, God. So you know how you get in that habit where you, you, you go home from work and you may have someone at home that just says, hey, I know you had a bad day, bad day at work today. Don't bring that in the house with you. Leave that stuff at work. My office is in my house. <laughs> so I have to learn to leave it behind that door <laughs> and not drag it out into the rest of the house. But I found if I keep my slate clean, I can actually leave that office door open and everything stays in there. Keep that slate clean. All right, F. I can ask God to help me make wise decisions. Now, I want to tell you, this this I do late in the day. And there's a reason why I do it late in the day. Because at the end of your day, so let's say you're pushing up on supper time now, whatever time your family has supper. Whether you got kids at home or not, whether you're living with other adults or you're living with friends, roommates, whatever, at the end of the day, just before supper, you really need to ask for God's help to make wise decisions because I know that by supper time, my blood sugar is low. The only time of my day that it is. It is getting low. My head is starting to hurt. I am tired. My back hurts. And if I'm going to start the process of making a bad decision, that's when it starts. That's when I kick it off. I saw a study here this week that says the average family spends 50 minutes a day arguing. And most of it is in the hour that includes supper. Isn't that insane? That's the day where we've all come back together from being out in the world with people who hate us. We're back with people we're supposed to love. People are supposed to love us. And what do we do? We come in there and we pick a stupid fight. See, when you're tired, when your resources are low, you're going to pick a fight you don't want with people you really don't want to fight with. You're going to say stupid things that you wish you'd said to somebody earlier in the day. Now you're going to aim them at people you love. You're going to hurt people unintentionally. And it's a good thing before you, to pray before you go step to that table. Get your stuff in order. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Some of you go, you don't know my day. You don't know my family. Uh, some of us do. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are, circle these two words, no different. That's Paul's polite way of saying, regardless of what your mother has told you, you are not special. (laughs) You're not. You go through the same stuff everybody else goes through. We all go through the same temptations. I mean, honestly... You're not special when it comes to temptation. You have the same exact temptations every other human being has. Jesus had the same temptations you have, and he did it without sinning. See, the good news about those temptations that are common to everyone is that those temptations are common to everyone. (laughs) And if they're common to everyone, there are some common solutions. Ah, people, a guy I had to deal with this week... Going, I can't help myself. 
I can't make it stop. Listen, that's a lie. You're lying to yourself, right? You're the first person that buys your own garbage. Watch this from 1 Corinthians 10. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to what? So he's warning you right now, the fall is right there. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation, the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. God says, listen, I will open a door for you to leave the temptation, but you got to walk out. I'm not going to make you walk out. you got to choose to walk out. That's up to you. So that's why we ask God to help us make good decisions. Do I want to sit here in my temptation or do I need to leave? Do I need to get up and do something else? All right, G. I can end my day with an encouraging truth. So you know what I do when I go to bed at night? Going to bed at night is my last time I pray, unless apparently God's going to wake me up, which some nights I don't appreciate. As I lay down to sleep, I recap my day. But as I recap my day, I thank God for what God has done during my day. I do. I thank him for what he's done during my day. I pray for my kids. I pray for the grandgirls. Man, I ask God for wisdom for the next day. And I thank him that he is still him and I am still not him. I wouldn't want God's job. I thank him for being in control. See, one of, the most important, one of the most important confessions that you can ever own is when you admit to yourself that you are not in control. Do you get you are not the master of your own destiny? If you were the master of your own destiny, well, I mean, you're, you're in recovery or need to be, Right? If you're the master of your own destiny, you have no friends or family anymore. If you're the master of your own destiny, you have no hope. And so the most important thing you can do is acknowledge that God is in control. See, one of the beautiful things about prayer, prayer brings you back to a state of peace. Even the most agonizing prayer that you can pray. Last week, I, I mentioned to you Corey Tenboom, that Dutch watchmaker's daughter with the whole family was hauled off, put into Ravensbrook. Her dad died in the camp. Her sister died just a few days before they were released from the camp. I love this statement she made about prayer. She said, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within, you'll be, dis you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ... You'll be at rest. See, your prayer life depends on what you're choosing to look at. Prayer will keep you focused on what matters. Run your conversation with God all day long. But several times a day, you've got to stop and pray intentionally about specific things you're not catching in that conversation. And also, when you're praying on the run, you're doing other things. But when you sit down and you pray intentionally, you can stop doing other things so God can speak back to you clearly. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you so much for Jesus. And we thank you that he showed us how to pray, that he gave us the beginner prayer. Father, we thank you for the examples of all the saints in Scripture that show us how they prayed. We thank you that the prophets were people like us. And yet when they prayed, you did mighty things because they sought you earnestly. And we don't. We seek you just enough to look like the other believers that are around us, but not really anymore. Father, they turn their lives over to you. And we kind of lean our lives in your direction, but we never just completely surrender and say, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Father, be with us this next week. Help us to keep those running conversations with you, just like you're in the car with us, like you're sitting next to us, like you're working right beside us. But Father, help us to figure out those times during the day when we know it's time for us to stop and take care of some real business with you too. Those times of intent, the times where we've sat down and we've written notes about what we want to cover with you in prayer. Father, speak to us. Give us impressions. Lead us in your way. And Father, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because we choose to let you work through us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.